I'm Jennifer Spivey, and you are listening to Coffee and Connect, an outreach of People's Church in Winter Haven, Florida. At Connect Women's Ministry, we believe there is power and blessings that come from making connections with God and with each other. Thanks for connecting with us today. I pray that the podcast is a blessing to you. Now let me turn it over to our host, Hannah. Hey y'all, welcome back to the Coffee and Connect podcast. I'm Hannah Spivey and I am so glad we are still in our um, prayer series listening to Donna Barrett's sermon. This is the last part of this series and I just really hope that this has been a great reminder for you to reevaluate your prayer life and to see where you're at. Um, This part is so, so good, um, and I hope that you can just take it in. Um, One thing she talks about is being intentional and really, you know, making time every day um, to pray. And at the end of this, she's going to ask, but I just want to go ahead and uh, repeat it now so you can be thinking about it. But what is the plan you have to train to be a woman of God who prays? How do we intentionally take these steps? And um, she's going to give some insight into that. I hope you enjoy it. Let's get started. Let's turn over to Luke chapter 11, verse 1. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Now, you might know what comes next. It's the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, holy is your name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And you know that very familiar prayer. We're not going to look at the prayer. I want to focus on what came right before Jesus said that. Jesus was praying. The disciples observed Jesus praying. And they became attracted to want to learn how to pray. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us how Jesus was praying. Was it a short prayer or a long prayer? We don't know. Was he praying loudly or whispering softly? It doesn't say. Was he kneeling down or standing up or walking? We don't have those details. What we do know is that curious onlookers saw Jesus praying to the point that they said, I want to learn how to talk to God like what I observe in that man. Teach us how to pray. And notice when the disciples came to Jesus and said, teach us how to pray, it was all of them. They didn't say, hey, we're going to give you one of these guys, train them in prayer, because the rest of us are going into town to do outreach and food ministry, or the other half of them is going to be on the worship team. They didn't separate out and make prayer a ministry unto itself, but they said, teach all of us how to pray. If you attend people's church, let me encourage you to look and say, How am I doing at praying for myself? Because prayer is to the Christian what breathing is to our physical bodies. No one else can do it for you. You can't delegate it away. You can't not do it because you're doing something else. Your body needs to breathe. And you as a Christian need to pray. Now, granted, there might be a prayer meeting or a prayer group or a group of men that meet on Saturdays at a church, and it's just a handful, and they really dig in and pray. But every believer of people's church needs to be speaking to God and hearing from God for yourself. That is God's goal. That is the design that's here. And that's the example that we see. 
the disciples said to Jesus, teach us all how to pray. Teach us all how to pray. And it's something that we learn. It's not something that just comes naturally, but we grow in that and we learn in that. Last night, I gave away a free copy of my book, Leveling the Praying Field, to each person that came out to the prayer meeting. And it's not a book that's tremendously deep, but it's powerfully practical. And if you want to learn how to pray, that's just one of many tools that are available to learn how to talk to God and hear from God, because we level the praying field. You know, if you go to a baseball game, you've got just a handful of people on the field and thousands of people up in the stands watching. Sometimes we approach prayer that way. Let's have a few people do the prayer and the rest of us will stand in the, in the stands and watch the rest of you go for it. That's not how prayer works, but every person gets on the field and participates and they are a participant of prayer for themselves. Sometimes we have to level that praying field so that it's not way up here while other believers are not participating at all. And we pull other people into that prayer circle and teach them to pray as well. Well, let's look at just a couple more passages in the book of Luke. Remember, we're looking over the shoulder of Jesus to say, Jesus, how did you pray? Because I want to pray like Jesus himself. First copy, the original. Jesus is the one we follow. He's the one that prays. We learn from him how to pray. Luke chapter 22, verse 17 through 19. After taking the cup, and I'm so glad we had communion this morning. Isn't it a privilege to be able to be together in one room and have communion together? Thank you, Pastor, for leading us. That was refreshing. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you, for I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. More than once in that passage of scripture, it says that Jesus gave thanks. He gave thanks. I heard a testimony on a uh, blog that I, uh, that I was listening to as I drove over here yesterday, and the author was talking about breaking the stronghold of depression that had gripped his life, and he said the key that caused that to break was when he started doing a gratitude journal. He started a discipline of writing what he was thankful for every morning, and as he began to do that, the clinical depression that, that he was battling just snapped and he got freedom right, right away. And so I would suggest to you that when we are grateful in practical ways, whether we have a gratitude journal or we decide over dinner table, let's talk about what we're thankful for that happened this week, or in a staff meeting when you start off with, hey, let's measure the wins, what's going great in your area. When we are intentionally grateful, it's more than just a nice idea, but it's actually spiritual warfare. It really sends the enemy running because the enemy doesn't want to be around an environment where we're thanking God for all of his goodness and we're being grateful. And Jesus was intentionally grateful in this moment when he was talking to the Father while leading his disciples in communion. He gave thanks. He broke the bread. He gave thanks again. There is something very spiritual and very victorious 
when we become grateful in our prayers. So you might say, well, I don't know what to say in prayer. Just start thanking the Lord. Just give him praise for the good things he's done. You can do that for a really long time. Once you get on a roll of thanking God and remembering all the wonderful things he's done for you, you can be grateful for a long time. Jesus practiced gratitude in his prayers, and it gave breakthrough. Let's look at Luke chapter 22, verses 31 and 32. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Jesus was in relationship with Simon, also known as Simon Peter, who failed the Lord, went through a restoration program, and came back to the Lord, and then became an example to other people in the body of Christ. And even today, thousands of years later, we look at the example of Peter denying Jesus, and it helps us to remember, Lord, help me not to deny you. Help me to be faithful. And so Peter's failure even benefits us today. And when we look at this passage of Scripture here, what we can relate to ourselves is to look around and see who are the brothers and sisters within your reach that Satan desires to sift as wheat. You might see somebody in your life right now that it appears that they are heading right for the enemy's combine, right to be chewed up by the enemy, and you can intercede for them. You can pray for them. You can pull them away from the grip of the enemy through powerful prayer. You know, oftentimes when we see somebody start to slip slide away and they're not that interested anymore, and now they're compromising in this area and we notice it, the temptation could be to whisper about them. Hey, did you see so-and-so? Where have they been anyway? Well, I heard. Well, I saw. I don't know. I just think they're not interested anymore. We cut them off. What we should be doing is praying for them and pulling them back into the fold because Satan is our only enemy. Satan desires to sift as wheat, but we can pray for one another and fight for one another so that they don't slip away into temptation. And if they do, put an arm around them and help them be restored to the point that they're back in the fold and then other brothers and sisters can learn from their example instead of them being lost permanently. What a beautiful thing Jesus did for Simon when he saw the temptation that was coming his way and he prayed for, the, for him. I think one of the most important things for us to get focused on in this day in the culture that we're in right now is that we are all on the same team and our only enemy is Satan. We have made enemies out of one another over things that are so small and so new to this day. And we need to just grab onto that John 17 prayer. The longest prayer Jesus ever prayed in the Bible is recorded in John 17. And do you know what the topic of that prayer is? Unity. Lord, I pray to my Father that they would be one even as we are one. And he prays for unity. It's only Satan that would want to, to divide families and to divide congregations and, and divide co-workers over issues that are, are temporal and just differences of opinion. But what if we were to fight for unity at every cost? What if we were to pray and say, you know, Satan desires to break this family apart over difference of opinions, but I have prayed for you and I will pray and fight. May that be our battle cry because it was the tool that Jesus used in prayer. One final passage of scripture in Luke chapter 10, verses 21 and 22. This is a familiar scene at Easter time that you might recognize. The Bible says this, 
On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw away beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are not willing, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him, and being in anguish, he gave up and threw in the towel? No. Said, this is too hard, I think I'm going to quit? No. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. He prayed more earnestly because times got hard. We're in a difficult time now in our culture, and times are hard for a lot of different reasons, but it's not time to give up. It's not time to throw in the towel. It's not time to say, well, Christianity's just become too hard for me. I'm going to forget about that. It's time to press in. It's time to dial up. It's time to ramp up. It's time to unite together and team up and pray more earnestly. God is looking for people to pray more earnestly. I would tell you that prayer is not just an option of something we can try to do because it's the Christian thing to do, but prayer is going to be the life or death of us spiritually as the church. We need to dig in and pray like never before. We need to pray for one another, pray with one another, really hang on to God and call out to God in desperate ways like never before. When times get tough and we become inconvenienced or uncomfortable, we pray more earnestly, not less. We press in. We dial up. I want to close in prayer, and I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you in two ways. As you follow the person of Jesus Christ described in the Bible in prayer, ask the Lord to speak to you individually. What can I learn from Jesus's prayer life? Maybe identify just one thing you've heard this morning or one thing you know that maybe I didn't mention, but what can you learn from Jesus' prayer life that you want to embrace and apply in your own prayer life? And then number two, how will you train to become stronger in prayer? It has to be identified and measurable. There needs to be accountability there that you have chosen something you're going to do to really beef up your prayer life. What is the plan you have to train to be a man of prayer, to train to be a woman of God who prays? Not just to try harder, but to train intentionally. All right, everyone, that is the last part of our series with Donna Barrett. I hope that you enjoyed it as much as I did, um, and we will see you next week. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening in today. We'd love to hear from you, whether on today's topic or perhaps something you'd like to hear discussed. Email us at connectwomensministrypcwh at gmail.com or give us a follow on Instagram at connectwomensministrypcwh. Click the link in our bio for more ways to connect with us. Thanks again for joining us for Coffee and Connect, and we look forward to connecting with you again soon.